0: In consultation for palliative care, we're focusing on care planning, care navigation and symptom management. But when you're not under the hospice benefit, you do not have as robust of a backing of a multidisciplinary team who has the ability to provide for the levels of care that hospice enables them to, to give. Welcome to the With You at Every Step podcast we address your health care questions and help you navigate life's challenges. Our guests share their expertise and real-world advice related to care for older adults, grief and healing, and pregnancy and parenting. Every Step is a non-profit health care and human services organization offering dozens of programs that are there when people need us most. Learn more about our free and low-cost services at everystep.org. Thank you for listening, and here is our host, Polly Carver-Kim.
1: Thank you for joining us today for our program. Our guest again is Chief Medical Director for Every Step, Dr. Tom Mosier. And uh, Dr. Mosier, welcome again to the show. We're glad to have you back.
0: I'm glad to be back.
1: Before we get into uh, hospice care and palliative care and what the difference is, uh, we want to learn a little bit about you. You've been with Every Step for more than a decade now. Um, tell us a little bit about your background.
0: Sure. So, um, when I was young in my medical training um, in medical school, I had the opportunity to uh, do a summer work experience in a hospice, and at that time, it was something that I was randomly selected for. And um, have to be honest, I was a little bit dismayed when I was selected for that because I had gone into medicine because I wanted to be able to help people, and it seemed a little counterintuitive that. If a patient was on hospice, that meant doctors couldn't help them anymore. I very rapidly learned that was exactly wrong. Uh, there was nothing more uh, incorrect about that assumption in that I saw well-trained physicians using aggressive medical evidence-based care to help people who were um, at end of life or near end of life, people who... We maybe couldn't cure their disease, but there was an awful lot more we could do to fight for good quality of life and good living. And in that, I saw people were not resigning to death and giving up, but they were practically taking taking hold of hope, hope, uh, grabbing um, life by the horns, uh, and fighting for living. And um, that was just life changing for me and career changing because ultimately I ended up deciding that is exactly what I wanted to do with my. With my life's work. And so ultimately, uh, after medical school, I moved to Des Moines to uh, get uh, um, finished my residency in internal medicine. Um, And as an internist, uh, then as a uh, physician that takes care of adults with complicated illness and numerous disease states, um, then went on to get board certified through a fellowship program at Stanford University in hospice and palliative medicine. And it, with that, um, received more intensive training on how to take care of that unique and very special population of those with terminal illness or very serious illness with a high symptom burden. And so um, after completing fellowship, uh, moved back to Des Moines and was able to start with um, now, every step at that time, HCI care services. um, but we've continued to grow as an organization to provide um, numerous services, including hospice and palliative care.
1: You know, you could uh, have you could pursue hospice care um, anywhere. In the country, in the world, really, um, for any kind of a care provider. There are for profit hospices, and of course, then there's our nonprofit, Every Step. Why did you choose Every Step as a nonprofit entity?
0: Well, it's actually really interesting how I ended up here because when I uh, received a phone call from their um, medical director, Dr. Norma Hirsch, years ago, um, I went to lunch with her more out of courtesy, but I really didn't know that I was interested um in working for um a nonprofit hospice. I was more interested in maybe staying in the hospital system and palliative care. But uh I guess as they say they had me at hello, um just the passion of everyone I met um and the uh just incredible commitment to doing whatever it takes, relentlessly doing anything it takes to surround people. Um, who are in need, whether it's end-of-life care, whether it's home care, uh, whether it's now all the, the numerous community-based programs we have, uh, there is just a relentless tenacity um, in those that I get to work with every day to always do the right thing and always fight for the patient the community, et cetera. So that, uh, I guess, was really again, very much in line to what led me to medicine in the first place. So uh, it was kind of a no-brainer.
1: You know, as chief medical director, do you personally see patients or do you work through the team medical directors? How does that work like on a day-to-day basis?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So um, I'm involved in many things in many different ways. Um, I have other um Uh, nurse practitioners and providers that work with me. I may be working indirectly through uh, helping guide a physician in in consultation. I may be uh, working with a nurse over the phone who is remote in a home with a patient in crisis who has needs, um, giving recommendations and or figuring out how then to contact that patient's uh, physician to give guidance. And then uh, many times it's either traveling to that area or working with a patient in one of um, our inpatient uh, hospice houses directly. So um, really my role is to make sure that everybody, no matter what their need, has what they need and the support they need. And I guess that goes without saying that includes education of our nurses and, and our providers and community members, um, physicians, et cetera. So anything that I can do to amplify the care and support uh, the care uh, is what I'm involved in.
1: You're a busy man. We're lucky to have you. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about hospice um you know early on you said that you you had the same opinion or thought process that a lot of people have that oh hospice is giving up you know we're just waiting for them to die and me too when i joined every step i learned that's not the case at all tell us what hospice is that's a it's
0: a good question Um, so hospice is a very very robust program that is covered by Medicare and or private insurance um, that provides for extremely intensive multidisciplinary team-based palliative care uh, that is applied wherever someone calls home uh, so that we can aggressively fight for quality of life. Um, and better living for someone who has been identified to most likely be in their last six months of life. And to say that it is the best program out there for individuals who are facing uh, terminal illness is an understatement. It is superior to anything else that exists. But what is very sad and sometimes disheartening is that People run away from hospice because naturally nobody wants to die, right? And so there is a misconception that when you elect hospice, it's because you've shifted and you're ready to die uh, or, again, the fallacy you're giving up and resigning to die. And then there's also a subset of people who feel like hospice expedites dying, The reality is all three of those things are extremely incorrect. Those patients with serious illness and chronic disease um, that enter hospice oftentimes live longer than um, an individual with the same situation who chooses aggressive care. Because a lot of times as someone gets more sickly, they become more vulnerable. So those aggressive attempts Uh, at treatment sometimes and oftentimes backfire and shorten life and worsen quality of life for sure. Secondly, a patient who enters hospice is typically not ready to die. No one is, but they always are still wanting to fight, whether that's fighting for just good quality or whether it's fighting for even though they're dying, just a little bit more time until they die with good quality. So the reality is hospice care is aggressive medical treatment. And in fact, most of the time, the kinds of treatment we provide in hospice are more aggressive and more impactful than anything that can be provided in a hospital. And in fact, it's not uncommon for hospitals to call me and ask me to come help intervene because what they're doing isn't working very well. So, um, I think we we really do need to continue to expand the uh, people's understanding of hospice, what it is and what it isn't.
1: If I understand correctly too, you uh, can go into hospice care and if your condition improves or other circumstances arise, you can go out of hospice care and then come back in later. I mean, it's not a once for all type of decision.
0: Absolutely. Um, Individuals can change their mind and thankfully the benefit allows for that, right? Certainly uh, there are a couple of different scenarios that can happen that can lead to somebody going off hospice. One scenario is that they are serially failing and their quality of life is very poor and they are heading towards end of life and the interventions and high quality palliative care, um, Provided in hospice helps pull them out of that tailspin to the point that they are stabilized. And I, the physician uh, who certified them for hospice, suddenly say, I think there's a really good chance you actually are going to live longer and don't qualify anymore. The good news, you graduate. The bad news, you lose this robust (laughs) system that you have uh, felt so much help from. But uh, there's also scenarios where patients um, change their mind. And maybe that's because they decide to enter hospice because they want to put all the marbles in quality of life because they're not living well. They're alive and not living well. And then they're able to realize much better quality of life and decide they'd like to try treatment again. Sometimes that's because they're strong enough to undergo treatment that they weren't eligible for. Sometimes that's because a new treatment becomes available or maybe they run a transplant list and, and um, a transplant becomes available. And so they would want to go off and pursue that. So there's lots of different ways. I, I always tell patients, I seldom ever encounter a patient who has regrets about hospice and, and their regret being that they elected it. I need a lot of people who have regrets about hospice and the regret being that they didn't elect it sooner, that they didn't really understand how much it would impact them and their family and how much it would improve their quality of life. And so a lot of people reflectively say, I wish I would have done this sooner because things were so bad for so long and I'm living the best I've lived for a long time.
1: I hear that when I talk to families who have a loved one in hospice or did have a loved one in hospice. I hear that over and over again from the family members Um, cause, because hospice, of course, is the main benefit is for the patient. But the family members and the loved ones who can rest easier, they they feel like their loved one's getting the care that maybe they couldn't provide, especially at home. And I think it's, from my viewpoint, it's good for the entire uh, circle of the patient.
0: Oh, absolutely. The amount of stress and duress and caregiver breakdown that occurs when family members are the primary caregivers and their loved one is suffering They don't know if they're making the right decisions. They don't know if they're giving medications correctly. They don't have access to people coming at at a phone call to help them and get involved and rectify the situation in an expedient manner. Instead, they have to maybe wait for the weekday and the phone call and the doctor's appointment a couple weeks out to get assistance or, heaven forbid, go to an emergency room um, and all of that 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 entails just to get a simple intervention. So ultimately uh, that brings incredible power and peace of mind for the family, but it also brings incredible peace of mind for the patient because oftentimes that same patient feels like a tremendous burden. So not, not only do they feel like they're not living well, but they feel like they are hurting the people they love the most because they're a burden. And so to um, replace All of that with a highly trained team of individuals who can come in and bridge those gaps and um, help bring guidance and clarity and education and care support uh, is often a priceless decision.
1: Dr. Mosier, a couple of times you've mentioned palliative care uh, as you talked about hospice. Is that a different kind of care or what, I've heard the term, but what does it mean exactly?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So palliative care is a medical subspecialty very much like other subspecialties whereby uh, a physician and or team members get advanced training towards a certain kind of medical care. The example, however, and how it differs from other medical subspecialties is that when you think about a heart doctor, a cardiologist, in their subspecialty, they focus in more narrowly on the organ of the heart and all of the diseases that can impact the heart. And when they get consulted, they're only focused on what's going on with the organ of the heart. And so as one becomes more ill, they often will have numerous subspecialists involved for each organ that's failing, maybe a kidney doctor and a heart doctor and a lung doctor all at the same time. But what can happen is in everyone's tunnel vision to the specific pathology or disease of that organ, sometimes the big picture of how it's impacting the patient and their quality of life and their suffering is, is loss. Their primary focus is to help restore organ function, not necessarily, although they care greatly about the patient, their training is not to help the patient navigate really complicated decisions based on what is likely to happen because of all of the organ disease and or the symptom burden of that. So in palliative care, our training is to take a step back and to put all of the pieces together. There's two aspects of what a palliative care provider is gonna be focusing on. The first aspect is going to be symptom management, making sure um, that all of the burdens of suffering from the various um, effects of the diseases are addressed well. That's a specific bucket of training that a palliative care provider will get in their advanced medical training and fellowship. But there is also then a focus on navigation of the complexities of disease, which involves making sure the patient has a good understanding about what's going on and what we expect to occur going forward, the different treatments that are available, the pros and cons, um, and oftentimes then even recommendations based on like individuals of things to really strongly consider so that patients are never left with that sense of, I wish I would have known this information before I went down this path, because it would have changed how I made a decision. So there is the care navigation component and the symptom management component. There is often then a Confusion over, well, what is different between hospice and palliative care? And in fact, the people that tend to get the most confused are medical providers. They will use the terms interchangeably. For instance, if someone says, I think this patient would benefit from a palliative care consult, many providers will think they're asking for hospice care. That is not, however, the case. Although all patients who are on hospice, receive extremely high-level palliative care support from numerous team members trained who are also enabled to be able to go out to the home and interface and a very robust benefit that is completely covered by uh, insurance. Um, not all patients who need palliative care qualify for hospice. And that's a good thing, but there are many times that people who need really intensive palliative care and do qualify for hospice, don't find out until it is very late in in the course of their illness. And that leads to the regret because ultimately in consultation for palliative care, we're focusing on care planning, care navigation, and symptom management. But when you're not under the hospice benefit, you do not have as robust of a backing of a multidisciplinary team who has the ability to provide for the levels of care that hospice enables them to to give. So ultimately palliative care in a hospital is very helpful for understanding what's going on and getting some direction uh, towards symptom management. But the robust caregiving side uh, really can't interface to the same degree in someone's home until they're on the hospice benefit because it's more clinic-based or consultation-based in the hospital.
1: So our uh, patients and and individuals who are in hospice care with every step, for example, part of that hospice care is the palliative care.
0: Yeah, the entire uh, approach to their care is a palliative care approach. We are doing everything we can to fight for good living through symptom management, understanding of what's ahead, and making, helping uh, the family and the patient make uh, good plans to uh, deal with those things.
1: I think I have observed this firsthand, and I'm so glad you explained it because now I I am thinking back to situations when I've had the honor of speaking to. a person who is in hospice care and their family, and the nurse, of course, is there as well. And I'll see the nurse talking to the patient, and let's say the patient uh, is on a certain medication that causes XYZ side effects, um, and they're on another medication that causes this side effect, and the nurse comes in and she kind of sees it all and uh, has solutions, ideas for how to handle the entire experience that this person is going through. Is that a description that fits?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, in general, I I think sometimes the easiest way to think about hospice is you suddenly have a payer source behind amplifying the resources the palliative care team has. So ultimately, whereas in a clinic-based palliative care model or a hospital-based consult model, there are not resources to be able to send nurses out to the home and nurses' aides and spiritual care counselors and social workers and doctors on a regular basis. The insurance benefit of hospice provides for all of those resources. So the team can now reach into the depths of the problems like they were not able to in the more limited palliative care role, if that makes sense.
1: It does. That is such a great description and explanation. Thank you for that. I think uh, I understand it a lot better. I'm sure everyone who's listening does as well. Um, Dr. Mosher, thank you so much for being with us again today. We really appreciate your expertise.
0: Absolutely. I'm happy to be here.
1: Dr. Mosher is the Chief Medical Director for Every Step. If you want any more information about hospice, uh, palliative care, uh, any of the services or programs at Every Step, just go online. You can complete the confidential, free Find Care form. Uh, The website is everystep.org slash care everystep.org slash care little form there that you fill out. It's confidential. It doesn't cost anything. And then someone will get back in touch with you to help you out with whatever your needs are. We're, we're here for you at every step. Thanks for joining us with you for with you at every step. And I'm Polly Carver Kim.